Hello, welcome to IntelliCast. This is season 13. No, season 3, episode 13. Um, it's a Monday morning. Brian Peterson, producer Brian, and I are recording. Hello, producer Brian. Hey, Brian. How are you? I'm all right. Um, this episode is brought to you by EMI Research Solutions. You can email us at IntelliCast at EMI-RS.com. Um, find us on Twitter, EMI underscore research and IntelliCast1. And you can leave us a voicemail or a text, 513-401-5463. Um, and please do leave us a message. Um, we Since with all of our social distancing, we are craving some human contact. So do leave us a message. Yeah, absolutely. Please reach out to us. I put a LinkedIn post out earlier today asking for topics. No one responded. So I just don't feel like we should be talking about coronavirus for 30 minutes a day. Uh, I was hoping, I don't know how, we haven't talked about this, but I was hoping that maybe the podcast would, you know, we'll touch on it, obviously. It's a big topic, but I'd rather this podcast be a little bit of an escape and also um, talk about regular research news like we always have. How do you feel about that, producer Brian? Is that a curveball? No, I like that. Um, you do need a little bit of a break. Yeah, because, um, you know, it's all weekend long, coronavirus, coronavirus, quarantine. You know, Ohio is kind of shut down just like most states are. By the time you're listening to this, probably most of our listener base will be in some sort of um, official quarantine. And so then I come into work and, you know, there's a lot of questions about clients and from clients about should we be doing research and then we're working on a coronavirus study in New York. And so I feel like that's all I do right now is think about it. So I'm hoping to talk about non-coronavirus things as much as possible. Well, do you even remember that just a couple of weeks ago we were talking about the presidential primary? Do you realize I scrolled through Google News, Yahoo News, and a bunch of other news stores? You got to dig pretty far in there to find anything about that now. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't even know who's voting at this point, if anybody. If, if they're going to vote, yeah. Um, and then um, it wasn't that long ago. It was just like, what, two or three weeks ago, we were complaining about the time change. Like, that was one of the biggest complaints in life was, oh, my gosh, <laughs> spring forward, right? We lost an hour of sleep. Well, we, you know what? I'll, I'm not going to complain about that anymore. Yeah. So, you know, life for everybody out there has been disrupted, and I'm hoping that I'm hoping that people, the listeners are out there, uh, maintain their jobs. That's super important to everything other than their health, right? It's very important. Yeah. Um, I've heard of a few layoffs on the Insights Association webinar they did on Friday. There's been a few layoffs. I think that it will probably initially really disrupt more in-person qualitative recruiting, and that's going to be sad for a lot of places. Um, I work, used to work in qualitative, and so... Um, it's great research, and so I think a lot of companies will probably be moving online, at least temporarily, and um, hopefully those places can figure out how to maintain during this time, and hopefully it's quick, right? Yeah. Well, you mentioned that. I actually saw something on one of the message boards on the Insights Association talking about how – I forget who it was, but they were doing phone, and they have so much work now that they're actually hiring additional people because people are moving stuff to phone. And they're going to need transcribing and things like that. So Good. I think you're just seeing a little bit of a shift of a few things. Yeah. So, yeah, probably initially there'll be a shift for a lot of in-person qual will move online. A lot of will move to phone. A lot of phone will probably move to online. Um, who knows? It's going to be a whirlwind over the next few weeks at a minimum, right? Right. Yeah. 
Um, any other current events, or should we just kind of get into the? Oh, uh, I wanted to talk about. I had a topic here. I'm sorry, Brian. Um, nope. Go for it. We, you and I primarily have been compiling a billion webinars and blogs and partnerships, and I mean, you and I have just been on fire with this. Everybody is um, putting out research. Um, either panel partners or clients or industry people, individuals, and we have 38 different line items in a document we're tracking. I think you and I put every one of them in there. Um, yeah, I think I saw five this morning. Yeah, so I mean, I'm just going to run through some names. Cantar, Protege, SSRS, LRW, Pure Profile, Insights Association, Walnut Unlimited, Quark Chicago, Bob Letterer, Dynata, Disco, POS, Ipsos, Pew, Soapbox, YouGov, um, Sense360, Directions Research, um, Ray Pointer, Remesh, Scent. So, and we've put out our own stuff. And so that's one of the reasons I didn't want to talk about coronavirus too much is because everybody's talking about it. And I'm certainly not an expert on, you know, I'm not a physician. And, um, there is so much information out there. I just wanted to kind of mention that if you want information from a market research standpoint, it is out there. You alluded to the Insights Association Engage platform where it's been pretty active the last couple of weeks about people talking about this. And so plenty of resources. Yep. Um, I know you and I have attended a few different webinars. I think I'm signed up for a couple this week already, whether it's through Wire or other places as well. Yeah, pl plenty of stuff out there. And so if you're sitting at home and you're looking for content and interaction, there's a, probably almost any day you could find a webinar or at least a recording of a webinar, a recent webinar that's still relevant. And um, it kind of helps with your social interaction in many ways is to remain engaged with people. We don't have all the office talk like we normally do. And I think that that's another shift is kind of the office dynamics. And we'll We'll kind of move to a lot more webinars and WebExes and Zoom meetings and conference calls. And I mean, I've been FaceTiming people, which I never even FaceTime, but I've been doing that recently. But yeah, the point I think is just there's plenty of opportunity out there to learn more. Yeah. I mean, just to say, not necessarily on this topic, but Zoom and any of your tele, like, telepresence tools are probably just skyrocketing. I mean, I got an email yesterday from a yoga studio saying, Hey, we got a zoom account and we're going to be doing our, we're going to be streaming the, our classes thing as we can't have hold them in person anymore. Like right. everyone's doing that now. Everyone's figuring out a way to do it. Yeah. That's, that's one of the topics I've heard a lot about. I've been following on like people on Twitter is that our economy is obviously going to shift. It's been shifting for a long time to be more virtual. Right. And now is the extreme version of that when you have things that are seem to be best utilized in person, like yoga classes and other workout classes and all kinds of things are now being done on Zoom meetings and WebEx and virtually through apps on phones. And I mean, it's certainly expediting the shift and maybe that's kind of a permanent shift in many ways, right? Well, that kind of, actually, that leads into one of our news stories. Oh, good. Um, uh, Sir Martin Sorrell, on a recent Sky News interview, um, said that – sorry, I didn't mention this – but COVID-19 will probably mean digital and business transformations will move at a significantly faster rate. So right. just just what we're saying right there. Yeah, so – and 
it's so funny to see this. When was this article written? A few, like five days ago. And um, I feel like we've changed even exponentially in the last five days, right? Um, and so, yeah, he's he's 100% right. And it's not going to just happen in the U.S. and the U.K. and, you know, the more traditional first world countries, but it's going to it's gonna trickle down to everybody else. And, um, yeah, that's I don't know what else to say about it, honestly. Yeah. Um, that I think it's, you're going to see a lot of different changes. I think I saw one infographic today that broke out like impacts to certain businesses and it showed like big box retailers, your Walmart, your targets, your Kroger's, they're up 29, 30% just over the, just compared to February. And then you have like Kohl's and TJ Maxx that are down like significant amounts. Yeah. Just month over month. I think you're just going to see a shift. It might revive some stuff. Yeah. To me, to me, that's both. It's going to be very sad when a lot of these small businesses, local businesses that have been probably many of them have been around for maybe even generations are going to close. And, you know, Amazon will further entrench themselves and a lot of other retailers that have, you know, more built for this situation. I don't know if the word's taking advantage of it, but um, certainly – winning share of wallet at this point yeah um you did see though that drive-in movie theaters oh yeah. come back because of this because <laughs> you sit in your own car you're not sitting right. next to anybody and they're the only game in town right now you know that's funny you mentioned that because you're aware we had an office debate about drive-in movie theaters for i don't know seemingly months yep i'm gonna have to change my mind on drive-in movie theaters it certainly works under a pandemic <laughs> Um, it only took a pandemic for you to change your mind. Right. Interesting. Didn't didn't think of that scenario last fall when we were thinking about this driving movie theaters. Yeah. 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 No, they said that because I had heard something like even the one I guess will they still be open with at least here in Ohio stay at home order. But for ones that aren't having a stay at home, they really still have other businesses open. Can you still go to a drive in movie theater? Yeah, you would think you'd be able to, but I don't know. You probably couldn't order popcorn. I don't know. It seems weird, right? <laughs> Whenever I went as a kid, we just brought a cooler of stuff in the back of the car. Yeah, that's that will probably be the new rules and the new drive-through econ- drive-in economy. Yeah. So, um, moving on to our next item. Um, again, this is around uh, Sir Martin Sorrell and S4 Capital. They reported uh, 215.1 million pounds in 2019 as their revenue, a 41% increase year over year. And their gross profits were also up 41 or 44%. Um, at the time when this was written, I want to say this was mid last week that uh, Sir Martin Sorrell had also stated he had, they had not seen a material impact from coronavirus, but would be updating as appropriate. Yeah, it's kind of weird that we're seeing, you know, quarterly returns, right? And of course, people have to do that to their shareholders. And we'll see more soon as the first quarter of the calendar year closes. We'll start to see that, you know, in the next few weeks and likely little disruption based upon those. But it's almost going to be like old news, right? Um, What's really going to be important are when the Q2 numbers come out. um, And that will be devastating. And, um, but I mean, great for, I mean, Sir Martin Sorrell, obviously, it's just, it's felt like every month or two, he has some sort of like really positive news and um, 
profit up 44% is obviously huge. And he's made some really smart moves since he kind of started S4 Capital. So not, not a big surprise there, honestly. Yeah. No, I I think some of these reports, as they're going to come out, because most of this stuff has already happened, but you might see a you might see a little bit of hit for Q1, but Q2, the, it's going to be ugly. Yeah. Yep. Data time, though, for now, right? Yep. <laughs> um, what's That's that? all you can take it as. Um, yeah. The next one, and this actually just came, we just came across this this morning, is that Qualtrics is rolling out a free remote, remote work plus. Um, it's there to help you understand if your organization is prepared for remote, for a remote remote workforce, and if your employees have what they need to succeed in the environment. This seems to be a new tool that they've opened up free for everybody, to, and all you have to do is upload your employee lists, and you can send them a quick kind of poll, it looks like. Right. Yeah, so I'm looking at this, and I mean, good job for Qualtrics for, first of all, making it for free, and this is going to be something that is necessary, is simply asking employees if they're okay. They show how kind of how they works on their website. So it's qualtrics.com. It's here to help with some hyphens in it. But um, yeah, you upload your list of employers and then it respond to a simple one question, just kind of pulse survey, which their example is what is making your day a little rainy? Um, it's really the question is how are you feeling today? Are you feeling sunshine? Are you feeling bursts of sun, mild or a little rainy? And so kind of be a little bit indirect about it. And then following up with like a full assessment of like, employee needs and challenges and then summarizing the feedback to i guess stakeholders within the company and so i mean good for qualtrics to do this um i mean it seems like something that's going to be necessary the longer this goes is to kind of measure employee just mental health right and so i think this is right. a great idea and very timely right yeah i think this is great since i we're going to have a majority of people working from home for the at least the next few weeks, if not longer. Um, and I'll, for many of us, like you and I, this is kind of a new thing for us. So I think this is a great idea. It helped. You have some like Tony Brown, who's worked with us, who's done it for years. But for the vast majority of people, this is a new, this is a new frontier for everybody. Yeah. And I think that especially the extroverts, the extroverts, the people that are you know, looking to come in and hug people every day and, and need that social interaction to kind of give them energy. They're the people that are most at risk at this. How are they getting energy? And it's up to the research community or whatever community you're in to help provide that to them. And I don't know how that works with maybe you do some sort of social meeting every day. Um, I don't know what it looks like, but I think that will emerge hopefully the ne very soon, right? Right. I mean, even you and I last week, you would just send me an IM and I would call you back and you're like, why are you calling me? Because I haven't heard a human voice in three hours. Right. We've probably talked at least once a day, every day. Right. This is starting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 That'll happen. I think a lot more phone, a video conference with Mike Holmes, our, our president today. And um, that's what he's doing. He's certainly um, extroverted. And I think he's just voice, he's just conference calling everybody in the company one after another. Right. Um, so that'll happen. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. With that, um, you want to have a talk a little fun stuff? Well, I, we missed one story, Brian. It's my fault. Oh, that's right. The census. Yep. Yes. <laughs> and so, yeah. So yeah, the U S census field operations have paused due to coronavirus. 
Right. That's and that I mean that this is very appropriate for research and you know they did that obviously the they say they protect the health and safety of the American public and they had to do it obviously but this is going to have some sort of impact not just uh you know there's a lot of jobs that depend on that you make good money when you're when you um do the census door to door for the people that didn't respond otherwise but also I mean we've got you know congressional districts and a lot of like tax money that kind of goes towards the result of this and will that be delayed and the impact of that so this is kind of a big deal it's one of those things that would be a huge deal if it it weren't you know the current situation in America but um, delaying this could have just a huge impact to you know everything really in research right and they have they've just paused the field operations though because I mean you and I were chatting right before we hit record I mean I got my mail in one last week yep so I think they're gonna have to depend a lot more on the mail one and hopefully touch it up <clears throat> maybe in the summer hopefully yeah it said um Door-to-door efforts are scheduled to begin in late May. I think that's wishful thinking, like most everything else. Um, And that's a huge undertaking. Um, I remember the last one pretty well. It's just a huge undertaking getting everyone to respond. And so, yeah, I think getting it done by late summer would be great. Um, We'll see, right? Yeah, I mean, everything's kind of in flux, so. Yep. Yeah, let's have some fun stuff talk now. <laughs> All right. So, um, and we know in the last episode we talked about some of the TV shows or activities you're doing while you are stuck at home. Um, with he- us here in Ohio, we're going to be stuck at home even more. Um, but I actually wanted to highlight one thing that was sent to me by one of our coworkers, Amy Carley. Um, the Cincinnati Zoo is doing a live stream every day at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. That's Eastern called Home Safari, where they're profiling a different animal at the zoo. They're about 15 to 20 minute long videos, and they are up on YouTube as well. Um, My kids plowed through two or three of these yesterday. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah, I think, um, first of all, that was, I think the zoo was one of the last things to kind of close, like entertainment things to close here in Cincinnati. And I was disappointed because I feel like it's one of the things that I think you could figure out how to keep open, kind of like golf courses. I think that we could figure out a way to keep the zoo open um, with social distancing and some rules in place. But since they kind of were forced to close or they chose to close either way, um, this is amazing. It's such an awesome thing they're doing every day. I watched the Fiona one. I'm, I'm sure that was their most popular one. Um, I, know, I see there's a sloth one and lions and so um, really cool stuff that they're doing. It really lends itself to everything about, you know, what the zoo should be for, about schooling from home, about entertainment. I mean, it's perfect. So, did your did your kids enjoy it? Oh yeah, uh, we they liked the ocelot one because they thought it like looked like a big cat, but they okay. were just enthralled. I'm like, yeah. and I learned I learned some stuff. I'm like, I, I mean, we've walked by the ocelot right enclosure before, but it was a 20 minutes on this. I'm like, oh, and that cat was that ocelot was 19 years old. Right. Right. That's funny. <clears throat> yeah. So, I mean, good job for the zoo. I'm still, um, I watched a lot of crazy sports over the weekend. I got addicted to TikTok. I think, I think I might've mentioned that last week. Um, so I'm hoping that 
Um, all the weird things that we figure out to bide our time kind of go away when we get back to the real world. But yeah. hopefully there's more stuff like the zoo that is educational and entertaining, not just like junk, right? Right. And I think that's going to open up the zoo for a lot of other people. Like we have, and we have a zoo pass, so we can't really go right now. But when, since they're putting this out for free across their multiple different social media platforms, this might get some other people once all this is passed to say, hey, you know what? I liked all that stuff the zoo was doing. I'm, I'm going to get a pass. So I can. I think they're playing a long game with this just from yeah. the marketer's perspective. Yes. Um, yeah. Also, they, reali- they also realize they have a captive audience with hundreds of thousands of children at home too. Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, good for them for getting creative. I bet there's other um, examples of this out there. So if you have one, let us know. We'd love to hear it. We'll promote it for your city or um, whatever it is that we're not aware of. I'm sure there's lots of cool things like that that we'll share. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we'll put a link to the Cincinnati Zoo's YouTube page in our show notes as well. So if anyone is looking for something for their children or they just want to check it out, it'll be there. And it's a famous zoo. It's an awesome zoo. It's, um, is it the oldest one in America? I think it's ranked one of the top three or four in America. And, you know, uh, Fiona obviously became a superstar here locally, the hippo, when she was. She had health issues, was born very premature, and they nursed her back to life. So our zoo is really – we take a lot of pride in our zoo here in Cincinnati. So, yes. Yeah. So – and my kids love the zoo. We we went four times last year. We, we're probably going to go again once we can get back up there. Yeah. And we're allowed out of the house. So, yeah. Yep. Any other fun activities or resources? Um, another one – and sorry, this is another kid one because I have to – we're trying to fill time with children at our house – um, is kids yoga. They're about 10 minutes each. And again, my kids were enthralled and did the whole thing. It's called cosmic yoga and you can find that on YouTube as well. And it is all free. Okay. Awesome. Good to know. Important to keep the kids busy. That's for sure. Yes. Um, the other one I want, I think I want to talk about with you is the one that you probably hold near and dear to you. Cause it was new sports content yes. that on Sunday ESPN Two went to ESPN The Ocho. And yep. Brian, do you want to set this up for people who might not know what this is? Yeah, ESPN The Ocho is was a joke. I don't know. Do you know what movie that was from? Was that Dodgeball or something? Dodgeball, yes. Yeah. Um, a joke that the Ocho showcased kind of the the underground sports and the weird sports, and it was a joke at the time. Well, ESPN, to their credit, a few years ago, just picked one day a year and they started promoting it. And it was awesome because it reminds me, I'm a little older than you. It reminds me of when I was a child that on ESPN and Nova night, they had just crazy sports that, you know, as Americans, we had never seen before. Um, like Australian rules football. I'd never seen that before. I thought it was really cool on rugby and, <clears throat> you know, nothing too extreme, but different for most mainstream in, in America. And so now it's just kind of crazy. So uh, did you watch any of it by the way? I did not. It was okay. a somewhat nice day, so we were able to get outside and get some stuff done around the house with my kids. <clears throat> okay, so marble racing was on, and I'm I'm not even kidding when I say this. I'm addicted to marble racing. There's a guy online that um, – and I did a lot of research about it. There's a guy online that has been doing this for years, and he creates this marble racing almost like it's a NASCAR event, and he has all these different courses – and time trials and he has an announcer and it's it's really un, unbelievable the 
how well he does it. He somehow can time all these marbles through the tracks. There's a crowd. He he puts a point system to it. Um, there's a tournament, and there's all kinds of different different things that he does. And it's amazing. Like I'm serious. I think they should put this on like ESPN two re- regularly because it's so well done. That to me is the favorite thing that I watch. Um, other things that I I watched were let's see. Um, Ball is really cool, and it's um, kind of like volleyball with a little net, and it it looks like a really fun game. It's that's kind of exciting. I watched that. I watched the arm wrestling championship. Um, dodgeball was really cool. Um, there's some pizza stuff which I didn't really get. Um, the cherry pit spinning was cool. Um, just what you'd imagine it to be is I don't. And it, these people take it so seriously. This cherry cherry pit spinning. Um, there was Putt Putt. The school bus figure eight was fascinating to me that these school buses are doing a figure eight. That's just crazy to me. Um, lawnmower racing. Um, and then sign spinning. You know, those people that, that spin signs outside of businesses. There's a there's a championship for that. Um, my second favorite is probably Slippery Stairs, which is exactly what it sounds like. They make these steps with slippery stuff and they make people race up the stairs and they just fall down. It's kind of funny. And so... Um, I highly recommend all these random little sports. You can kind of get lost in YouTube with some of them and they're all online and um, I don't know, it's, it's entertaining. And for a sports um, enthusiast like myself, it kind of takes a little bit of the place of it. Um, yeah. You could have turned to CBS during that time instead of watching the Ocho and new sports content. Cause they were replaying a bunch of old uh, NCAA championship games, seeing as this past weekend would have been a big weekend for the, the March Madness tournament. Yeah, I watched a little bit of that. Um, one of them they showed was the Duke Kentucky basketball game in 1992, which is one of the, for a Kentucky basketball fan, it's the most heartbreaking loss of all time because Christian Leitner hit a shot of the buzzers, showed every March, so people have probably seen it. Um, I couldn't really handle watching that again, um, but I did see it was on. I flipped over every once in a while. But one of the problems was, and I think we've seen this, I saw this across the board, they would interrupt anything that was online for any news conference that was going on. So like yep. Trump's talking at noon. So whatever is on at noon, it gets interrupted. And then the Ohio governor is talking at two thirty, and then that gets interrupted. And then, you know, the Kentucky governor's talking at five and that's interrupted. So I don't know. I think as a society, we got to figure out if, if you're watching Duke, Kentucky, 1992 basketball game, maybe you're doing that to avoid the news and to not interrupt it for every press conference. That, that was a, that would be a rant of mine that I'm hoping that the networks kind of figure out that you don't have to kind of break in on every news conference and breaking news at this point. We see, don't get it. see, I was watching a bit of the Virginia-Texas Tech one from last year, and the only reason I was watching it was I was waiting for the DeWine press conference, and it started like 10 minutes late. So, yeah. um. Agree. That's what I was kind of doing too. I turned it on to NBC. That's how I watch it. Is I turned it on to NBC to watch the Dwayne press conference, and he's notoriously late. Um, but I did the same thing. As we talk about that, just an observation I've noticed over the days. It started with five or six people there, and then it was three people, and then yesterday it was Dwayne. Houston and Dr. Amy Acton, and not only they weren't sharing the podium anymore, they right. had them spread out on different podiums, right. like 10 feet apart from each other. Right. It was very intentional. You could tell they had three different podiums. They were very far apart. Um, it was a little almost awkward, I guess, but that's how it probably should be. 
instead of kind of before when everybody stood behind the camera, including the interpreter. Um, I didn't like the interpreter moving to the kind of picture-in-picture split screen. I did not like that. Um, But, yeah, it was interesting how that's evolving as well. Yeah. Um, One other one I wanted to talk to you about is the Olympics. You and I are both pretty big fans of the Olympics. Yep, one of my favorite things in anything. Absolutely. Yep. We disagree on which one's better. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) um, This is kind of going into what's going on currently is – should the Olympics that are scheduled for, what is it, August? Late July, early August? I think is that right? July, I think so, yes. Um, in Japan, should they or will they be postponed? Um, we'll probably agree on this. I think they both should and will be. Japan is just maintaining until just yesterday, I think. They're maintaining that it is full speed ahead. Um, I saw, I think... It was Australia and maybe even Canada. Is that true? Both of them are like, we're out. And um, that is going to be the the first. I mean, Australia and Canada are both two of the bigger countries in the Olympics, even though Canada's not great at a lot of those sports. They have a you know a big name. And um, Australia is obviously good at a lot of those sports. America is going to be one that kind of determines this, I think, uh, because all the money we put into it. I just don't see how you can do it. Um, there's still... Olympic trials that have to go on. I mean, what, I mean, I heard this morning that you could swimmers can't even find a pool to swim in, and I don't know how you do it. Right. Um, with that, I did see that the prime minister of Japan has pretty much said there's a chance it's going to be postponed. Now he's the first one in all of that to actually kind of say that. Yeah. So I, I think I'm surprised it hasn't been already. Honestly. Yep. And I think I think if they move it. If they move it, let's say they move it to the fall, right? That's what a lot of other sports are doing. This fall could be the craziest sports period in the history of our lives. Like we'll have the regular, you know, NFL, baseball, NBA, MLS, but then the Masters has moved to the fall. Um, Kentucky Derby has moved to the fall. And if they move the Olympics to the fall, I mean, that's just crazy. That will happen. Hopefully that happens in the fall. I think more than likely, though, the Olympics will move to next year. I think they'll postpone it until next summer. I just I don't even think you could do it by September, to be honest with you. But um, no, that's that's what I had seen is that they were think that at least a lot of the prognosticators were saying, hey, move it to same time 2021 and do it then because all of your athletes are sitting at home and not being able to train. So it not only do you still have to do the trials and everything like that, you have to give them time to get back up to speed. Right. Exactly. Yeah. They, they've got a, these are world-class athletes that are on a, a very set regimen to qualify and participate in the Olympics. And a lot of these sports put their world championships on their seasons on right before the Olympics. So they're in kind of tip top shape, right? Right. And that's just lost. We've lost all that. So even though that'll be challenging for Japan and the athletes to move it back a year, I think that's the that's going to be the likely scenario. Um, that's what I see happening. Hopefully, in the next couple of weeks, that's announced. Yeah, they said they were going to decide in four weeks, but you have to imagine. I'm going to guess by sometime mid next week there'll be an announcement. Whether it's more countries pulling out and then it forces their hand, or if the IOC just comes out and says it, because I don't honestly think it's Japan that's saying that. I think it's the IOC said, nope, we're keep going to keep going. Yeah. That, I mean, the IOC is a complete joke. <laughs> not a, not a strong take there. I think anybody that's 
am remotely interested in the Olympics understands that. And so hopefully they hopefully they make the right decision here because I would hate to see some sort of horrible Olympics with just a few countries in it. I'd rather postpone it and I would expect Japan would want the same thing. Or an Olympics that you're not getting the best athletes where, hey, they're not maybe some are injured or things like that because they weren't able to get up to peak performance. Yep. Hey, who thought we'd do 10 minutes of the Olympics in March? I don't know. Cause you and I, it's normally not given to a thought till about June. Like, Oh yeah, the Olympics are coming up here soon. And just figuring out a way to stream it in the office. Yeah. Once the Olympic trials start, that's when I start paying attention. Um, but yeah, that's, that's one of the only um, news stories that aren't, I guess it's indirectly related to coronavirus, but it's a big deal. Yeah, I think a lot of stuff has been is indirectly related to it. I mean, if you're going back through all, if you go back through and play bingo on here, I think there was maybe two that weren't. Right. The Ocho. Right. And that actually that might be it. Right, and that's somewhat related too, because normally they'd be playing, who knows what NBA or MLS or highlights from March Madness, and so yeah, spring training. Yep, spring training is going on. Yep, the yep. XFL. Oh, don't get me depressed. <laughs> so, anything else? I think that's. I think we covered everything. Okay, um, I did want to mention that a couple of the conferences that were previously postponed have announced new dates. So, Quirk Chicago, currently scheduled for August twenty sixth and twenty seventh, and IIEX. They were really quick to change their date, September 9th through eleventh in Austin. So um, I'm hopeful that those events can still occur. Um, what do you th- what do you think the odds on on let's let's just do quirks August 26th 27th. What are the odds you think that happens, producer Brian? Uh, 60 40. It doesn't. Okay, I was going to say 50 50. So we're in the same place. I think um, a pretty decent chance at minimum that it doesn't happen. Um, man, that's crazy. So. Hopefully, we will get back into talking and going to conferences by the fall. That would be, but late summer, fall would be the earliest, I guess. Yeah. Um, but that brings the question then. If you have a bunch of these conferences that were supposed to be in the spring, like IIEX and Quirks Chicago and Qualtrics and all these other ones that are normally in the spring, are they going to have it in the fall and then do another one and turn it within three, four months again in the spring? Or is this going to start to kick off a new conference calendar? Yeah, I don't, well, Quirks typically, you know, they kind of do all three of theirs kind of an intentional, you know, three, four week um, between them. So they can kind of leverage all their resources. So I don't think Quirks will, but um, well, also they're going to be competing against all the other ones, right? I mean, MRMW is in the fall and TMRE is in the late fall. And there's lots of other Insights Association ones. Um What's the, what's the next conference? It's about the same time. Um, the Corporate Researchers Conference. SMR. SMR, right? Oh, yeah, we have a big, huge SMR conference later this year. And so those are all going to be on top of each other. And who knows what's going to happen to conference budgets by then. And so that's gonna, that's that's something that's kind of under the radar to maybe keep, a, keep an eye on is, um, I mean, there's only so much conferences that people can do. And, you know, you and I kind of, at least you kind of manage our conference allocation and we like to spread it out and we'll, well, we'll have the budget for it. Do we really, do we really have the budget for it? And do we have the resources to kind of go to back to back to back throughout, you know, August through whenever. Right. 
Right. And right now, I know we're going to Quirk Chicago because we were already signed up for that one, but I assume every other one is tentative. Yeah. Yep. Good point. It, it's just too soon to tell. Yep. And we have a, an Insights Association fall conference that's um, for our Great Lakes chapter, which is also in Chicago in September. And um, that'll impact that because that's a lot of these smaller conferences, the Insights Association regional ones, that's some of the biggest money makers of the year. And so Quirks and the IX, which is by Green Book, will survive this, but Insights Association may take a hit out of this as well. Well, I have one other question for you, and this is not something we've talked about at all, so there's no prep to this question, but I actually saw Jake Preslick put this out there that would you go to a virtual conference, say a IIEX or a Cork Chicago that was virtual with the same speaker lineup? Yeah, I, I would, um, especially now, because I'm so disappointed that I, don't, I had two conferences that I was going to go to, and they're both canceled. Not even counting, I was going to go to you know the University of Georgia uh, spring board meeting that was canceled, and the University of Kentucky had a an econ day that was canceled. So it's not just conferences, it's other travel and, you know, interesting things that we all do. Um, so I would absolutely do something virtual. And I think, who was it? Is it Zappy? Zappy and somebody else is partnering on an insights day soon. I think they scheduled this before all this happened. And so that'll be the first one that really, you know, we'll see if people will be engaged in a virtual conference and will pay money for it and how much they'll pay for it, that'll be the first one that, that kind of emerges from this. But I think there is, going to be a, there is going to be a craving for content and virtual content and conference-like content that someone, maybe it's us or, or it's Quirks or who knows, will take advantage of sometime late spring probably. Um, I think absolutely there will be people craving it. See, I think they might be craving the content, but I think some of the other components that go with a conference, the face-to-face uh, -face time with certain people, the kind of relationship building, the checking, uh, the prospecting, the selling that goes on, all of that, you lose all of that on yeah. a virtual conference. Oh, yeah. Yes, you get the content, but... A lot of times, people are only the content is only a percentage of the reason they are going. Yeah, that's that's a great point for me. When I go, the content is probably seventy percent of why I go. Um, for our sales team and for most sales teams, when they go, content is probably I don't know, making this up twenty percent of why they go. And the rest of it is networking and lead generation and client current client relationship building. So yes, it will kill those types of people, and it will be the people that are really, really want the content that attend. And yeah, that's, that's a great, great point that who, who, how many people just care about the content? Right. And so I think, I think you are right. There is going to be some want for it, but I think it's going to be at a much smaller scale than you might see some of the in-person conferences. Right. So you now IEX, which I don't know how many people attended close to 2000, probably 1500 or 2000. Um, it might still get 1500 people. But it'll be a different 1,500 people paying, I don't know, what, 30 bucks maybe than 1,500 people paying $1,200. And um, it'll be a different group of people. Yeah, because you, if you are one of those conference organizers, you can't reasonably justify, oh, 
well, it's going to be still $700 or $1,000 to attend this, but it's virtual. Right. Is that, you're like, nope. Right. (laughs) Okay. Well, you want to shut it down for the day, Brian? Yeah, let's shut it down. (laughs) Um, Thanks for joining, everybody. We appreciate it. And reach out to us if you have any questions. Um, we're easy to find on LinkedIn. You can email us at intellicast.emi-rs.com or all over Twitter. And so we'd love feedback on this episode, on anything that we said today. Uh, if you want to join, be a guest on the podcast, reach out to us, and um, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.